about the church, the local New Testament church, and I'm going to share some things. We're going to do a little bit of review this morning, and I'm going to show you the next step to take, and we're going to finish that this morning. This past Wednesday, Kurt and I went to Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo, and we heard a prophet by the name of Chuck Pierce. Uh, every new year, he comes to Trinity and shares, and he talks about things that God has spoken to him and showed him that uh, he's going to do in this coming year. And so next week, I'm going to talk about uh, some of the things that he said. If you've been here, you know every year we do this. And so I'm going to start next week talking about Chuck Pierce and talking about what God is showing him. And uh, it's good things. I'm telling you, we got I got some really good things. And uh, you're going to want to hear it. And you're going to be excited. Uh, and it really, it'll, it'll really minister to you. So we've been talking about the local church. And I wanted to take just a few minutes and remind you of some things that we said. The very first thing we said is, is the church is supernatural. Okay, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Anywhere you go where the Bible is read, which is the living word of God, prayer goes forth to God. People have an opportunity to pray for one another and love one another. People have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. It's supernatural. When you invite Christ into your life, it's supernatural. There's not one thing natural about it. The Bible says you go from death to life. Yesterday, right here in this auditorium, I did a funeral for a young man in Amarillo who died in a house fire. His family came to this church. His grandparents came first. Then his parents came, and he came. He's 30. And they moved here from California to Tulia, Texas, and came to this church. They were not church people. When they lived in California, they didn't go to church, and they did not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They weren't Christians. And they came to our church, and God drew them by the grace of God. Well, this 30-year-old young man came to this church. He sat right in this auditorium. He received Jesus Christ as his Savior. I talked to him many times. Uh, we went out to, uh, out to the canyon out here every year. You know, we do the church picnic and see the canyon. And we've always done a water baptism, and he was water baptized. This last week, sadly, he died in a house fire. He had drifted into drug abuse, uh, and he and his girlfriend lived in a house, and uh, they had, there were some things going on, and there was a fire, and, and he died. I did his funeral right here yesterday. Here's what I know here. Why are you talking about that, Pastor? Because he invited Jesus Christ into his life. The Bible says that if you have Jesus, you have life. I know this morning where he is. He's in heaven. He's in heaven. The Bible says he's with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what the Bible says? That in God's presence is fullness of joy. Paul said to die is gain and that it's far better to be with Jesus than be here on the earth. And I have peace this morning knowing that that young man is in heaven and that he didn't die and go to hell. If he'd have never come to this church and heard the gospel, there would be a very real chance he wouldn't be in heaven this morning. That is supernatural. Okay, and that happened right here in our midst. Here's the next thing. Church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. We didn't come up with this. God did. We're not a club. We're not an organization. Now, we are organized, but we're not an organization. We're not a club. Man didn't come up with this. God came up with this. I said this two weeks in a row. Marriage is the same way. Marriage is God's idea. Church is God's idea. The next thing is we're the body of, of Christ. We're the church. We're his body. What are we? We're his hands and feet. 
Okay, listen, we do Ground Zero every week. We do Power Kids. We minister to children from kindergarten through 12th grade. We do men's ministry. We do family ministry. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We gather together in this place, and we make a difference in people's lives. Amen? That that was pretty weak, man. Amen? Amen. There, There you go. That's better. Thank you. All right. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. What does that mean, Pastor? God does use other ministries. I'm not saying that he doesn't. He does. God has used promise keepers. He's used wild at heart. You may have been impacted by ministry outside of church. But God's plan and purpose for the earth is the New Testament church. Listen, we are the hope of the world. We are the hope of this community. All right? And you know when I say this, it's true. The government, we don't put our hope in the government. And thank God for America and thank God for our freedom. But our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope of the world is the church. Here's the next thing. Church offers you something you can't get anywhere else. Now let that sink in. Let that sink in. Church offers you something you can't get anywhere else. I know lots of Christians who don't necessarily believe that. You may not necessarily believe it. You may think, now come on, pastor. That isn't true. I can get on the internet and watch preaching. You can. There are preachers from all over the world on the internet, and you can watch them for free, and many of them are way better than me. Man, some of them boys can preach now. I mean, they're in big churches and big cities, and they can preach. But listen, the local New Testament church is where God wants you involved, and you can't get what you get here anywhere else. Amen? Here's the next one. There's a corporate presence or anointing of God in this place. What does that mean? Jesus said if two or three of us would gather together, he'd be there in the midst. So you can get in your house with your family and friends, and you can pray, and you can read your Bible, and God will show up, and his presence will be there. Every time we gather together in this place, he does the same thing. When we gather here, Jesus promised he would be here. And when we sing and we worship, you sense it, don't you? You feel it. Now, your feelings can lie to you. I know they can. My feelings can lie to me. But when I'm in these services and I'm worshiping God and you get that feeling, that, that tingling sensation, you think, man, something's going on. That's God. His presence is here to strengthen you and minister to you. Here's the next thing we found out. Church equips you. Church equips you. You know, today the Pro Bowl is going to be on, the NFL Pro Bowl, and I'm not going to watch one minute of it. You know why? It's not a real game. Yeah, it's all-stars. It's real football. They're going to get out there in pads and have a football, but they're not playing for anything. And they're going to be very careful that they don't get hurt. And it's not a real football game, and it doesn't mean anything. But next week, there's going to be this game called the Super Bowl. Okay? And I don't have a dog in that fight. Okay? My team died a while back, okay, a few weeks ago. We won't talk about that. Amen? They died a horrible death. Amen? And, uh, but they, so they're not in the game. All right. But it's going to be a real football game and it's going to really matter. And we're going to watch it and we're going to hang out and we're going to yell and we're going to holler and we're going to have a big time. And you know what that's going to make me a spectator. Okay. I'm not a football player. I'm not the manager of the football team. I don't own the football team. I don't work for the football team. I'm just going to watch cause I'm a spectator. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not, it's not supposed to be. See, you're not supposed to show up here on Sunday and watch somebody else do ministry. This place is supposed to equip you. What does that mean? Well, you're supposed to sharpen your sword. What do you mean sword? Well, the Bible says God's word is a sword. You're supposed to knock the dents out of your armor. What armor are you talking about? The armor of God. 
you're supposed to come in this place and get encouraged, then you're supposed to go back to your job, to your family, to your friends, and you're supposed to take the light and the love of God and the Lord Jesus Christ with you to them. Every person in this room has a ministry. And we've said this before. Have you ever thought about that maybe you have the job you do because God sent you there to minister to those people? Church is supposed to equip you. So you can do your ministry. Dads, every dad in here has a ministry. Every mom in here has a ministry. If you work, you have a ministry. And this place is supposed to strengthen you and encourage you to do that ministry. Here's the last thing we talked about. Church brings light and hope to this community. I said this last week. Can you imagine what tool you would be like if there was not one single church here? Not one single church. Not one pastor not one single youth group. There is no power, kids, okay? That building down there is closed and the windows are boarded up because people have come by and busted them out. Okay, the building across the street is shuttered and closed because the old man that owned that building died several years ago and uh, the windows in it are all busted out and boarded up and spray painted over. Imagine what this town would be like. No church, no youth group, no vacation Bible school, no Mother's Day out. There is none of that in this town. Well, you couldn't live here. You couldn't live here. I mean, evil would overtake this city. And I know many of you think evil has overtaken this city. And I'm here to tell you that's a lie. It has not. Okay, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We keep darkness driven back. There is darkness, absolutely. There's darkness everywhere. But we keep the light going forward in this city. Imagine living in Dallas or Austin or Houston or any of those places. And imagine there was no church. We'd be bad. It'd be bad. We are the light of this community. The church is the hope of the world. Now, I want to take the next step. We're going to finish this up this morning. I want to read to you out of Matthew 7. This is out of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a message Jesus spoke. And the verses we're going to read are Jesus himself talking. Okay, these are Jesus' words. And many of you may have heard these before, but listen to what it says in Matthew 7, verse 7 through 8. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Would you mind if I read it one more time? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. What's he talking about, Pastor? Let me tell you what he's talking about. He's talking about pursuit. Pursuit. What do you mean pursuit? God is waiting to be wanted. Listen, don't miss this. God is waiting to be wanted. God wants you to pursue him. Have you ever wondered why God just doesn't reach his hands in the sky and pull it open and look through and say, hey, y'all, I'm here. Get, behave. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, I mean, you ever wonder that? I can tell you why he doesn't do it, because he wants you to seek him. You know, it's like a rich man who dates a woman. He doesn't want that woman to date him and love him and marry him because of his money. He wants her to love him for who he is. Jesus is the very same way. You see, he wants you to pursue him, not for who he is, not for what he's done, but because you love him and you want to be with him. Can I say something to you? Gentlemen, in your marriage, your wife wants to be pursued. 
Okay, your wife wants to be pursued. If I can straighten that out for you just real quick, man is the pursuer, woman is the runner. And if she can outrun you, you gotta train and get faster. Amen? I mean, it's your job as a husband. It's your job as the man to pursue. Listen, I've been chasing Vicky for 45 years and I'm not stopping. And I can catch her. Amen? God is the very same way. God wants to be pursued. Don't miss this. God wants you to want him. Listen to what Jesus said. He said three words. He said, ask. He said, seek. He said, knock. He said, ask. Seek and knock. What happens when you ask? Jesus said, you'll receive. You know what he said? You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Listen, if you need something from God, ask him. Jesus said he'll give it to you. He said he'll take care of you. Trust him and believe him. See, don't whine to God because you haven't asked. Ask him. Hey, Lord, I need you to move in my life. I need you to do this. The next thing he said is to seek him. You know what I know? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for getting up and coming to church this morning and doing whatever it took for you to get here because you know what it tells me? It tells me you're in pursuit of God or you wouldn't be here. You could be home doing a hundred different things. You could be in Amarillo or Plainview doing a hundred different things, but you carved out this time in your schedule to show up in the house of God, to hear the word of God, to sing to God, to pray to God, to give to God. So I know what you're doing. You are pursuing God. See, if you're sitting in your seat, then you're thinking, I don't know if I pursue God. Well, I can tell you right now this morning, you are. Every time you attend church, you're pursuing God. Here's what else I know. I've talked about this before. You don't have to read your Bible all day, but you ought to read it every day. You ought to take a few minutes every day and read the Word of God. Just take a few minutes and read your Bible. You need to be in church, and you're in church this morning, and I applaud you for being here. You're pursuing God. The next thing you need to do is you need to talk to God. It's called prayer. When you're in your pickup or your car on the way to work or on the way home, it doesn't matter where you are or where you go or if you do it in your bedroom, if you do it in the shower, it doesn't matter. Take a few minutes and talk to God every day. Vicki and I talk every day. We communicate every day. I pursue her every day. And I've been doing it for 45 years. She's my wife and I love her and I want her to be a part of my life. God is the very same way. What did Jesus say? He said, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. He said, if you'll knock, it'll be open. Now, I'm 12 years old, and the Baptist preacher came to our house and shared the gospel and talked about inviting Jesus Christ into your life, and I thought to myself, I want to do that. And you know what happened? Jesus was knocking on the door of my heart. Did you know the door to your heart opens from the inside? You know that, right? The handle's on the inside. Okay, and God will not force his way into your life. He will not do it. He won't drag you by the collar out of bed to go to church on Sunday. Now, you know, I said, you know, that when I would run around as a teenager on Saturday night, the later I stayed out, the louder my dad was when I got up to go to church. He made me get up and go to church, and he would drag me out of bed. You're going, get up, let's go. I had somebody tell me yesterday that they'd tell their mother, I'm sick, I don't feel good. And she'd say, well, honey, go throw up, and then you'll feel better and you can go to church. That's the kind of parents I had. God won't do that to you, but he'll send a mama who will. I never cared about going to church when I was a kid, but some, for some reason, my mama cared, and she made me go. Listen, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. If you invited Christ into your life, whenever that was, I was 12, 
Maybe you were 20, maybe you were 30, maybe you were eight. I don't know. However old you were, when you invited Jesus into your life, Jesus knocked on the door and you opened it. And you said yes. Now, here's the thing I want you to know. He's still knocking. He's still knocking. He doesn't knock one time. He continues to knock. He continues to, ha- he continues to have things he wants you to do. He wants you to read the Word of God. He wants you to talk to Him. He wants you to be in church. He's continually leading you, continually guiding you. And listen, as long as your heart is beating, as long as you're above ground, God has things He needs you to do. He doesn't stop knocking. Here's another thought. It's not easy. Now, I'm not trying to scare you or discourage you. But when you decide to, prove, uh, when you decide to pursue God, there's going to be obstacles, aren't there? I mean, you, have, you probably have 10 reasons this morning why you could have stayed home. I mean, you have all kinds of things you could be doing, but you overcame those obstacles and you're here. I'm sure you had screaming kids and you're, some of you are chasing them and trying to get them dressed and trying to comb their hair. Have you ever tried to comb a three-year-old's hair? Holy sweet Jesus. My granddaughter, man, she's got the most beautiful hair, and she screams and hollers because she doesn't want to comb it. And I always tell her, let's go down to the barber, and we'll get it buzzed like mine. You know, we'll get it buzzed, and then you won't have to wash it. You won't have to comb it. You won't have to do anything, and you can grow it out when you go in the sixth grade. You know what she says? No! Just like that. Right, I know what it's like. Now, I, I haven't done it in a while, but I know what it's like to get up and get kids ready. It's not easy. Here's the next thing. You don't do it just one time. Hey, I'm going to see God today, and then I'm not going to talk to him for a while. No, God wants you to pursue him on a daily basis. He wants you to talk to him on a daily basis. Here's the next thing. God is asking you to press in. For how long, Pastor? For the rest of your life. For a lifetime to press in. I've said this before, and you've heard me say it, and you're probably tired of hearing me say it, but you'll never be sorry for saying yes to Jesus. You will never be sorry for bringing your family to church. If you're here as a family this morning, you will not be sorry for being here. You won't be sorry for bringing your kids. You won't be sorry for overcoming those obstacles. You will never be sorry. I've said this before. I've never talked to anybody that says, man, pastor, I've lived my life, and I so regret it. I went to church too much. I prayed too much. I read my Bible too much. I volunteered in church ministry too much. I mean, I gave too much financially. Man, I wish I hadn't done all that. Nobody ever says that. Nobody. I've never had anybody. But I have people tell me all the time all their other regrets. You know, I knew a man one time who was struggling with cancer, and I saw him in the grocery store, and he said, you know, Rusty, I think I drank too much and I smoked too much. Now, I don't know if that gave him cancer, and I'm not saying that, and he didn't say that, but he had regrets. That's the point. I've never had anybody in the grocery store tell me, man, I wish I hadn't followed Jesus. I wish I hadn't said yes. I wish I hadn't gone to church. No, nobody. Nobody ever does that. Jesus is asking you this morning to overcome your obstacles and to fight, to press in, and to want him. Would you close your eyes? Let me pray for you. Now, we've got a few minutes, a few moments. We're doing good on time. I'm going to get you out of here. But could we just take one moment and you take a minute and you do business with God this morning? Just ask yourself in your own heart. You don't have to look at anybody, talk at anybody, but just ask yourself, think about in your own heart, do I feel like I've been pursuing God? 
Do I feel like I've been giving it my all? Do I feel like I've been giving my best? Not that you don't make mistakes, not that you don't fall, not that you don't get discouraged. I don't mean any of that. But you'd say in your heart of hearts, hey, pastor, I, I feel like I'm pursuing God. And, I, and, I, and don't compare yourself to anybody else. It's not about that. Well, hey, man, you know, pastor, I'm not pursuing God like you are. You're a super Christian. Well, that's a lie. But I know one thing, Charlie here next to me, I know I'm pursuing God way better than he is. Don't do that in your own life for yourself. How are you? How are you doing? You feel like, hey, man, I, I've been serious about my relationship with God. I've been serious about pursuing him. I've been, I've been serious about his word, about prayer. I'm serious about being in God's house, whether it's on Sunday, whether it's on Thursday. I, I'm serious. I'm serious about my kids being in power kids or my teenagers being in ground zero. Jesus, I'm serious about you changing our lives and affecting our family. And if you need to make some adjustments, do it. You know exactly what you need to do. Just do it. Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you this morning for your love that you've reminded us this morning that we're loved. Father, as we go from this place, we go with your strength, your wisdom, your grace. God, we know we don't have to jump to try to get you to love us. We don't have to jump and meet a mark to try to get you to notice us. You love us and you know who we are. Father, my prayer is that every person in this room this morning would be hungry for you. Jesus, you said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they'll be filled. Father, I pray every person in this room is hungry for God. Hungry for God. Hungry for God. And that we'll pursue you more in the future than we have in the past. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Would you all stand, please? Praise God.